Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And joining me once again is my senior editor, Jude Seymour, and maybe the chief inspector inspected all the candy that his kids are pulling <laughs> in. Maybe Brendan will, uh, Brendan McAlinda will be with us here in a little bit. I look like his kids got a pretty big haul and he might, might be a while inspecting all that. Well, I, I'm glad to have you back. Um, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad that my son left behind a, a heat bar that apparently he doesn't want because uh, I dig the heat bar. I don't know. Maybe it's an acquired taste, but I'm, uh, I, I don't get the one. heat bar hate. I don't get. Yeah, the, I don't, I don't get, get the heat bar hate. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. And and you know, as I got as I got older, I've really started to enjoy Butterfingers a lot too. Uh, never really liked them when I was a teenager, but now kind of a go-to. Oh, yeah. when I was a kid, like the best combination was like a Butterfinger and a Mountain Dew. Like I was like, when you're like 11, 12 years old and you're like, yeah, just go, give me a Butterfinger and a Mountain Dew. That was that was the combination right there. Uh, I'm not a big like, I know a lot of people like whatchamacallits. They're OK. 100 grand's good. 100 grand is good. I would eat a whatchamacallit if it came out of a vending machine and I was hungry. Um, and they really, and it was like what McAuliffe and Trail Mac were pretty much the only thing left. I would definitely, you know, not McAuliffe under those circumstances. But I don't, yeah, I don't seek out what McAuliffe. Sure. I mean, isn't isn't the Take Five bar basically just a, a repackaged what McAuliffe? So the Take Five has pretzel in it, does it not? It does, I think. Yeah. So I guess I, so it's like, it's what McAuliffe pretzel. <laughs> yeah, I think right. Maybe the, I think uh trying to think of it yeah i think you got probably some most of the same things there i think which mccall's maybe have a little bit more crispy in them than take fives but, but yeah i think you're pretty much there so there was a there was a fake uh acc coach's favorite candy list going around just another account on twitter to mute yeah keep going yeah no 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 and I think Dave Dorn was like Sour Patch Kids or something like that. But he had tweeted it out like he like this is a lie. And he tweeted <laughs> a picture of his favorite of his favorite candy. And it was even worse than the fake account. Mallow Whoa. cups. What the f- Mallow? Mallow. OK, so my wife 
is it big in the metal cups? And she tried, she tried and tells me that like every single time she's like, you just gotta try it again. I'm like, I don't want this. Like freeze it warm room temperature, whatever. I don't want it. I just don't want it. No, it's not for me. Nah. No, they're not. But Dave Gordon, like, Big dick swinging out on Twitter like, that's not my favorite candy. Mellow Cups is. I don't know. Hardest pass. Hardest to pass. So. It, was a, it was either Dorn or Clawson. It was one of the two. I, I I keep saying Dorn, but I think it was Clawson, which I guess I maybe did. Maybe the Mellow Cups are the, uh, are the reason Wake Forest is doing so good. I don't know. First top 10 in the AP uh, in the higher history of their football program. So congratulations. Yeah, I was shocked. Well, I mean, we'll probably get into this a little bit later, but I was shocked when um, when uh, Wake Forest wasn't uh, ranked ahead of Notre Dame today in the AP poll. Yeah, that was weird. Because uh, like, I think Reverend asked me uh, on the last one, like, what would you do? And I'm like, that's fine. Like, if, if Wake Forest is undefeated, I – I won't. I don't have a complaint to yeah, add to, not. you know, to any of that. So, but I mean, we'll see what the college football playoff rankings come out um, here tomorrow night. So, which is Tuesday night. But, yep. uh, I, we'll I, look, the 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 takeaway from the AP poll should be that Michigan's below Notre Dame, and that just makes me happy. Um, <laughs> you know, I was look. I think that was going to happen. No, there was very, there was there was a very small variance on Notre Dame's rankings. Like if you go look at all the, um, you know who ranked who where. Sure. There was a very small variance on Notre Dame. Like like one one guy, I think he's a Buckeyes writer. He had Notre Dame fifteenth. Um, I think I know Dylan Sin, who is Notre Dame's the second Notre Dame person on the, uh, on the voting list. He had Notre Dame ranked. Behind Michigan, but he's a fucking Michigan grad. What are you gonna do? <laughs> so, like, like I, I knew that was coming. That was like the first one I looked right. up. Uh, but uh, we'll get into all that. Listen, the biggest takeaway I got from this weekend, Jude, Notre Dame has a T formation in their playbook. I mean, I, I wasn't gonna count it. Ed Brendan, it didn't take very much pushing. No. And, and, and I love that. I love that Coach Lance Taylor acknowledged it on Twitter. That <laughs> first of all, adding to the Christmas card list was always a good idea. Uh, second of all, uh, just it's it was pretty. It was pretty. So it's not only that, but fucking estimate was in it. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, like I, I had a I had a double jolt of uh, of happiness. I mean, yes, they shifted up, but I mean, technically that's a wing T because they shifted up to wings. Right. So I'm, st- I mean, we're still like, we're still in that realm. T formation, wing T. It's in the playbook. They got it. It's, it's in it. So now, now it's back to Notre Dame to, uh, to see what kind of madness that, the that they end up pushing out with all that. I mean, so, I think it's indicative of a, of a bigger point here, which is that they're doing some things with the offensive, um, um, formations and emotions and stuff that I just, I think is really interesting and uh, I want more. So big fan. Yeah, it's been, it was, it was what I was kind of trying to explain about like 
the not so great performance, you know, the week before. And I was like, well, you know, but like, look, it was a, you know, against USC and like, but it, it was a change. Like, do you not see that, you know, there's a change there. And that's what I'm looking for. I was looking for them to, to, to do something to figure this out. And that seemed to had, you know, snowballed a little bit into, into this week. Um, and we will, you know, we're going to get into, into all that goodness, but I do have a review to get to tonight. Oh, okay, cool. So let's get, let's get that bad boy out of the way. Just a reminder, everybody get on over to Apple podcasts, please leave a rating, please leave a review any review that you leave will be read on the next OFD podcast. And tonight I got a five stars here from Chazel 73. Five star fantastic shutting their mouse. Y'all are freaking awesome. I live in the middle of SEC country, the original SC, South Carolina, and I constantly get crap for being an Irish fan. Then I have to explain my family connections to South Bend, etc. Thanks for all the juicy stats and knowledge on a weekly basis that I can fire back at Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee fans. Georgia fans are about as bad as Michigan fans. Both teams have the same problem. Georgia fans have Alabama mouths with Vanderbilt trophy cases. Michigan fans have Ohio State mouths and Purdue trophy cases. Y'all's insight is greatly appreciated. So when stats and knowledge is dropped on them, other than Irish fans, their only reply is join a conference. So I agree Notre Dame should leave the ACC and join the Big East for all Olympic sports. <laughs> Football can stay independent and everything else is in a conference. That shuts their whole mouth up. Butler Bulldog grad, Irish fan forever. Thanks again, you guys. Go Irish. Beat overrated and piss poor coached UNC. So they did that. <laughs> so the, the one thing I would say is um, – I feel like Georgia fans this year got to pop off. I mean, this is uh, this is unprecedented what their defense is is doing. So you would understand their yeah their hesitancy, like a I, w- I would guess like a, a level headed normal Georgia fan, you could understand their hesitancy into like popping off, right? Sure. Yeah, because <laughs> that gets a uh, uh, I mean. F- 40 years is a long time. I've been alive for 43 years. 40 years is a long <laughs> fucking time. I guess this would be 41 this year, wouldn't it? Uh, January of 81, yeah, to uh, January yeah. 2022. Yeah, sure. Yes. Yeah, yeah so, yeah. I mean, they got as, I mean, but on the flip side, they're the only ones that have completely shown out all season long. I, yeah, I can't remember what the, the stat. I can't remember what the stat was shown that the how they've outscored the, the all their SEC opponents this season, but it's it's ridiculous. I mean, it's like next level. Yeah, I, I read um, Stu Mandel's column today, and I, I don't always agree with Stu. In fact, probably don't agree with him more than I agree with him. But um, one thing he said was, "Look, I think it's unanimous that George is at the top," and then. There's a group of uh, six teams that are two through seven. And if you look at them, you could make a case at two for most of them. And you and any one of them being at seven feels weird. Um, and I, 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 I agree with that, which is like um, I, it's funny. We're eight weeks, nine weeks into the season now, and I don't have a real good sense of uh, who is the standout second best team in this in this country right now. And, and I, I, I'm fine with them slotting Cincinnati there. Um, 
I could see them slotting Alabama there. Uh, I don't really agree with Oklahoma, but at the same time, like no, they are nine and no. zero. They are nine and zero. So I mean, that's something, I suppose. It's it's something, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, no. you know look, and another guy I don't agree with most of the time. David Hale made a great point about in defending Cincinnati. He's like, you guys want to rip on Cincinnati's strength of schedule, and you act like somehow Oklahoma is playing tougher teams. You know what I mean, like. Beating up on Texas and Tech and Kansas and, you know, Tulane is no different than beating up on, uh, you know, the teams that Cincinnati's played. So, yeah, once you once you get to like what's the teams that you're facing get past like the 35 mark, 35, 40 mark. Does it really even matter? You know what I mean? Like, no, of course not. Yeah, like, like, honestly. And to Cincinnati's credit, they have they've done what they, they had to do. They. They beat an overrated Indiana squad, which was one of the basis of my Iowa actually sucks movement. Yeah. yeah. And which I've been proven to be right on. But they did beat a now top 10 Notre Dame team in South Bend. And people, people do not want to give. It's funny. They want to. I was ready to get on the train of. Uh, people want to give Cincinnati this credit for beating us, but nobody wants to give us credit for being that good to be talked about in that matter. And I, and I felt that that was coming on and I don't think that's the case. Like, I think like I, I was really expecting like the disrespect of saying, well, Cincinnati's got this big win over Notre Dame, but, and then when they talk about Notre Dame being like, well, they're kind of, tr- they're kind of trash and just kind of keeps winning. Like, right. you know, they, they do that, that double-sided argument all the time. I haven't really noticed that, but it's, it's it, it funny. Like I, I had a guy jump in my mentions and he's like, why are you? Oh, it was because Bill Quant and Bill Connolly quote tweet, tweeted me. Right. And, and that's a whole different story, but basically he's like, why are you guys proud about the fact that you gave up 550 yards to a, you know, four and four football team or whatever. And I was just like, okay. I mean, you know, like I, I just like how could you be mad about seven and one and and you just beat a team by ten that everyone says that you had a you had a sixty percent chance of losing to when they were all making predictions back in June, right? Sam Howell was going to come and bury us, and yeah. that didn't. You were happen. only a three and a half point favorite at that home, and now and now um, the narrative is quickly shifted to and and again. I don't want it to sound like I'm picking on Pete Sampson and Matt Fortuna, but like I do, I do listen to them, you know, and, and they were like, you know, Virginia is the toughest uh, team on their schedule. And look, I'm not saying don't respect Virginia, but I'm also saying what about Virginia's defense suggests that this won't be anything but a shootout. You know, obviously Kyle Hamilton's availability will, will, you know, make a difference there. And I want to, I don't want to look too far ahead, but at the same time, like I just, I fundamentally disagree with their proposition that, you know, oh, they could be beat up after Navy and they could find themselves down 10 early against Virginia. Hell no, man. Like, Virginia's defense can't shot shit. Like, did you watch that BYU game? Did you watch yeah, no the doubt. game against UNC? Like, like this the, is just, that's not a defense. They're, they're, the whole premise, their their whole premise is, and I know this drives you nuts and drives me nuts, is just that Notre Dame's not good enough to be 11-1. So somebody's going to beat them. And that'd be great. Or that, that, that would make sense if... Ohio State or Alabama or, you know, or Georgia was on the schedule or Oklahoma even, but they're not. Yeah. And so right. it's like, I mean, if just because if you Oklahoma, think that this Ohio isn't State a good schedule, 
Yeah, you know, just we had Ohio State's a good re- remaining team. schedule. Then I would say, okay, yeah, I get it. But, like, we have our schedule. You know, I just – I I look at that schedule and say those are all winnable games. I I, I don't know what the line's going to be for Virginia. I don't know what time of night they're going to play that game or during the day. But I just I feel good about the fact that, that our offense can keep up with, with their offense and and that their defense cannot keep up uh, with our well, defense. That was- that was a big reason for people picking against Notre Dame. They just this this last week, they just didn't know if they could be, they could score enough points. Like th- this could get into a shootout, and Notre Dame is just not built to score points. And so Brian Kelly, Tommy Reese, Jack Cohn, prove them all wrong. And now, now I mean, it's just it's constantly trying to find something else. Like we know this team is not a national championship caliber team. Like of we course. know that. Yeah, we know that, and I'm not trying to sell you that they that they're that they are, but like even like I've been highly suggestive in the last week or so about there like being a there is still a shot at Notre Dame getting into the college football playoff, and it's not like completely out of the realm of reason either. Like just just imagine if the college football playoff rankings come out on Tuesday and Notre Dame is number eight. That's not a far off. That's not a far off thing to get into that top four, considering what the rest of the seven teams in front of us have to do. Yeah. Oh, by the way, they don't all, they don't all have state, the number five and number six teams, Ohio state, Michigan state have to play each other. Right. Right. So that's regular season. Alabama and Georgia are in a collision course, right? Cincinnati's got, uh, SMU and Houston probably in, in their in their upcoming schedule. Yeah, like there's nobody, all sorts of reasonable scenarios there. Yeah, there's all sorts of reasonable scenarios in which this can go south for people. And look, and I'm not I'm, and I'm not trying to sell anybody that that's going to happen. But I like to live in a world of hey, that could happen. So I'm going to look at it as that it could happen. So I'm looking at each game that Notre Dame plays as just another. You know, resume. You know, another bullet point on the resume to try to make that happen. Now, would it have been nice if Notre Dame would have beat North Carolina, forty-seven to fourteen, instead of forty-four thirty-four? Sure, that would have been great. Of course, but well, but what is there was nothing that, that. But there's nothing that they've shown this season that would have, especially without Kyle Hamilton, that was going to show that was going to happen. By the way, Kyle Hamilton talked more about this week not playing than at any point in the rest of the season <laughs> by the talking heads. Yeah. I mean, are you, like no one wanted to bring Kyle Hamilton up ever. Like his name was never mentioned other than just like they quickly threw it in because he's an all American top five pick. They would just, it would just casually be thrown in. Not as like a reason, like something good's going to happen for their name. Then all of a sudden, you know, he's out. Then he's the main reason why, why this is like, we know it now. Like, how can you do that? How can you just, how can you not, not say his name for weeks and weeks and weeks? And then now all of a sudden that's, that's one of your biggest reasons. Because, and I, I'm going to sound like a tinfoil hat guy, but just like the Wake Forest fans are, are jumping into, you know, uh, the comment section of the athletic articles, they are, the national media is desperate for Notre Dame to lose one more time. So they just don't have to talk about them. It's getting more and more uncomfortable 
the week and, and Notre Dame keep continuing to win because they they're, they're like ah oh, shit they're gonna they're gonna be in the top ten like they deserve a mention or whatever but they want I would so desperately say, to just forget about them which I don't get because it just makes it that like Wake Forest right now being undefeated just makes things that much more interesting that's a good story like Nicole Arbon that's a great story all over that story like she yeah, instead like, of, it, instead of fucking instead of like going off about Coastal Carolina yeah how about <laughs> How about how about look north to Winston Salem for a minute? And I mean, at least or right about UCSA. I mean, like at least you know, I I don't know. It's just like look, there's there's some fun teams this year that are un, still people undefeated. are more willing to. I'll tell you what, people are more willing to write about UTSA than Wake Forest. That's how it's, like that's how so like fun. out of like if I was a Wake Forest fan, I'd be freaking the fuck out. I, I'd be so pissed right now. Because and, this would be a it, season of glory right now for you. And, and they're getting, they're getting no, one, no one wants to they're give get, the prize. They're getting nagged so hard, right? Oh, well, you won in the year that Clemson was down. Guess what? I don't know that Clemson is going to be that great next year. Hey, guess what? Clemson won the ACC all those years when the whole fucking ACC was down. Yeah. How about exactly. that? Right. I mean, put put that around in your brain a little bit. But I mean, Jesus, if they had to play the an SEC schedule or a Big Ten schedule – Every year, instead of the ACC schedule, would Clemson have been Clemson? I'm here to say I don't think so. Like, they're good, but were they week in and week out good? Like that? I, I mean, I, I can't say for sure, but you're right. If they would have knocked Wake Forest for being undefeated in the year that, Wake, that Clemson isn't good, then everything you said good about Clemson prior, the ACC was down. Name another team in the ACC besides Notre Dame last year that stood a chance like to, to win that conference. Right. It's just, it, it doesn't make any sense, but this is Scotch football. This is, we brought up 2007, like over and over and over and over again. And that's what it is. It's just, this is a, for whatever reason, maybe it's because of the whole, because of the COVID year last year and it, I mean, just all all sorts of all sorts of craziness, all sorts of variables you didn't you wouldn't have thought of three years ago. This is the season we get, and I gotta tell you, I'm enjoying it. Like, dude, does it I suck was, that our name has one loss? Yes, but it's been game. a great season. I was falling asleep watching the game last night, BYU Virginia or whatever. But I was just having so much fun. I was just like, I couldn't keep my late. eyes open. Yeah, <laughs> it was just like Man, it was one o'clock was in the morning. We're just going into the fourth quarter, you know. Well, when you're scoring, like, I don't know, what, what was that? How many points did they score in the first half? Uh, it's 45-42 at the half, if, if I recall correctly. <sighs> That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. that, take, that takes up a lot. That should take care of most of your obligations for commercials, right? I mean, yeah. Like, I think, like, like was, it, was it, is it wrestling? Like, I, I think I remember, like, weeks, like, when a Monday Night Raw where you get to like the last match or whatever, and they'd be like, we've already fulfilled all our commercial obligations. We're not going anywhere. We're going to be uncut. <laughs> yeah. Like no yeah. breakaways, but it's yeah. like, no, they just, they still keep hitting those damn commercials. No, uh, yeah. I mean, but the Michigan, Michigan state game was wild. That was lit. Uh, that was lit. Yeah. I mean, it just, there was a, there was, <laughs> I, I just Look, before Notre Dame played and after Notre Dame played, we get we had good games. And the Notre Dame game was fun too. I look, I I I think that 
we there's not enough people with the you know doing a Lorenzo Styles fan club or whatever because uh, we just I mean this kid's gonna be awesome, and then I just I want to name my next child Kyron. I I just you know I <laughs> I'm just so like just so happy that this guy has been such a like he's not been a revelation because he was he was on last year too, but just like just every week feeling so blessed that he's on our team and I get to watch him, you know, and I, and right. I don't want to get too, too like emotional about it or sappy, but like, I just like when he ran, I, I just like, I was screaming. I was screaming yeah. at like what I was watching <laughs> and, and, and then I watched Michael Mayer, like 40 yards down the field, just, you know, running a dude off the, off the trail. And then Avery Davis, who was like, and, and, and I don't blame him. He was just going, he was going like regular speed, just sort of like, okay, the play is going to die. Oh no, wait, this play's still going. And then all of a sudden he turns on the absolute boosters and then is smart enough not to get himself in trouble with a block in the back or a clip or a hold or anything. He just kind of like gets in front of the dude and makes him have to slow up a half step. <laughs> and that was like, okay, no one's going to catch Karen. This is awesome. This is just so awesome. No, it was a, it really, I think for me, I thought, I thought it was a fun game, stressful yet fun. Um, so let's get into it. Notre Dame 44, North Carolina 34. And the game did not start the way this game, like the back and forth of this game is kind of funny that the first two possessions were punts, like, like, you know, like, like just kind of the way that went on, but that second punt, which was North Carolina punting, Kyron Williams, 47 yards on the punt return, setting up a, a short uh, 41-yard field for for Notre Dame's first touchdown. But just Kyron Williams, which which will be a theme for everybody, I imagine. Just I mean, add that on top of everything else that he did, like that punt return. That's like shows you the what he bring, what he has brought to this team, and like the importance of Kyron in the offense. Yeah. It, it just, look, the, the game ball went to the offensive line, but I mean, that's, that's, that's super nice. Um, you know, they may have gotten, <laughs> they may have gotten uh, some of the initial push, but like, I mean, he was doing work last night and then, um, you know, Logan Diggs getting in the end zone and uh, an Audra estimate cameo. Um, it was fun. It was fun. Well, estimate has been being used on that uh, as that extra tight end uh, for a couple of weeks now. Because I, yeah, at least, at least yeah, two or I three weeks that, now. And that cameo in this in sense of like, he right. what, he's like one or two snaps a, a game or whatever. So it's a blinking you miss him sort of thing. <laughs> well, and I'm still waiting for there. him to catch up in his, in the carry prop with a, with Sebo Flemister, we're running out of games I here. I think he's down three now. Yeah, I think he's right, down three carries. Three as well. Yeah. Or I, I'd have to look, but <laughs> yeah, no doubt. But I mean, look, we're we're having a bunch of feel good vibes, but I mean, it, it was not a total feel good time. Um, I would say North Carolina's first touchdown was a was a short short rush by Chandler, but couple plays previous, a uh, big 41-yard pass play to Josh Downs from Sam Howell. Tariq Bracey, Saturday night, like he's going to take a lot of shit for for the way he played. 
but he got abused like at least two, if not three times on what should have been called offensive pass interference. Like the pick plays that, you know, and just to see like Drew Brees, like point that out, like in the replay, like unprompted, like, yeah, that, that, Hey, that should be a flag. Well, I thought Bracey it was funny got him. They, uh, they brought Terry McCauley on specifically to say, like, yeah, that's no good. That should have been OPI, you know? So Yeah. So it, there there was a little bit of frustration because even on um, uh, North Carolina's field goal drive after that, like Notre Dame went down and Jonathan Doerr knocked in a field goal. By the way, Jonathan Doerr, perfect on the night. I think it was three for three field goals. So – that's good news. And a couple there and the last two were short ones, like a 20 and a 21 yarder. That's when you start going, Oh shit. <laughs> just, just the way Jonathan door has been, uh, this season, you know, this season, <clears throat> but, um, I mean, Josh, are you familiar? Just an aside, are you familiar with the, um, the kind of, uh, the requirements to get Ashton Pollard's mother to, to Charlottesville, her, her terms and conditions to, to, to go to the game. Have you heard about this at all? I have not. Okay. So Ashton's mom, uh, lives about, her name's Susan. She lives about, uh, 45 minutes away from Charlottesville. And she is like, just down on this seven and one football team. And it's just, it's, it's pretty funny. And it, and they've, it, Ashton talked about it on the, the UHND pod this week with Greg, our, our friend, Greg. And, um, and basically she's, she doesn't she doesn't want to go to the game because she gets she gets so upset about the team. And I think it's funny because I don't get upset about the team. I, I really enjoy the team or whatever. So Ashton said, like, what's it going to take for you to go to the game? And so she laid out some conditions. Right. Um, Jack. Let's see if there's Jack Cohn has to complete a pass of over 40 yards <laughs> to a receiver in, the, in either the UNC game or the Navy game. They have to beat UNC and Navy. Brian Kelly cannot cross his arms on the sidelines. He can, well, that's, he can be, he can be mad, but he can't swear. And Jonathan Dorr must not, <clears throat> must not miss a field goal under 38 yards. <laughs> it's just like, so oh she, my might, God. she might as well, she might as well said that like, uh, Attila the Hun rises from the dead and becomes president of the United States. That's about, yeah, the, I mean, that's the possibility. Look, right I, there. I mean, I think we lost the, the Brian Kelly crossed arms thing probably in the first <clears throat> possession. Um, you know, oh, at least, at least, but, at least but just, that's, that's Kelly's go-to right now. I just think it's funny. Like the things that people get upset about, right? Like, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit right. So Greg's, you know, saying, Oh, Susan, it's cold outside. Of course he's crossing his arms, but every time Dora would hit a field goal, like Ashton's mentions would get, uh, flooded with the hashtag for Susan, <laughs> uh, hashtag, because, um, you know, because he made his field goals, right? And he wasn't missing anything under 38 yards, which I think is really funny uh, that she had that as one of her preconditions for having go, going to see the team or whatever. I personally feel like if I, Notre Dame played 45 minutes away from me, I, I would be there. But, uh, you know, different structure, hey, different folks. You got, you got your standards. Just got standards. <laughs> he, he does. He does indeed. So, Anyways, what, that's the biggest side. One of those standards, I would think, is – being okay with your defense not playing so great, but still only allowing one touchdown in the first half. Like people were fucking going nuclear right. uh, around halftime. And look, I, I can't say that I was guilt free from like, you know, tossing, tossing out a negative 
comment or a negative take on some things, but there was plenty of stuff to like specifically be pissed about. And, but I mean, just people just saw, I, Hey, we gave up one touchdown. Yeah. I can't, I'm not going to, Sam Howell is still a guy that a lot of team, a lot of people believe is going to be a first round drafted quarterback. So I'm not going to like flip the shit out when he only puts one ball in the end zone. And it wasn't even a <laughs> passing touchdown in time. That was the only rushing touchdown. Yeah. But I mean, it's like, yes, it, it was sloppy out there. Tackling was poor. Uh, angles were bad. There's a missed assignments. Communication was not key. But I mean, like, Someone else, to, so, someone else called Kyle, called Kyle an alpha dog. I, I think maybe it was on Shamrock Pod, but your alpha dog on defense, like the dog, is gone. Right. And for as much as I kind of like made light of the situation, probably to just calm my own nerves about last season with no Kyle and uh, in the second half against UNC and DJ Brown, but that's it's still a huge loss on your defense. And if he's the one back there making a lot of those calls, I mean, it they looked. I want to say the losses would be too harsh, but they just look like things were just were not being like registered. And to North Carolina's credit, I thought their offensive their scheme and their play calling was excellent. Like there was a lot of things that North Carolina did that it's just hard to stop period, whatever defense you are. And Notre Dame didn't do many favors with the, with the poor tackle. But like there were some other things that North Carolina was trying to do that Notre Dame did a good job of clamping down on. And, you know, so it could have been worse. But I just – I couldn't be too angry about it. You know, 17 – you know, Notre Dame gives up a, um, a you know, a, another late first-half uh, scoring drive. Like, it, that is thematic, right? Yeah. Is that, is that, how many game, is that how many games is that in the row now? feels like it's been three or four games in a row where that's been the case. I mean, yes, it was just a field goal, but it's just like, well, I guess, no, USC didn't do it. They should have no, done it, right? They, yeah, they ran out of time because right. of poor clock management. But right. they were definitely headed in that direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you had somebody other than coach not to be named, maybe that, <laughs> maybe that goes in. But, yeah, it, it is a little frustrating. And all I'll say is it's it's a first-year First, like a totally different defense. Your alpha dog is gone. It's you're playing against it. What is still a pretty good offense, a well-run offense, uh, for that matter. Yeah, I mean, you 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 trying to make things work with, um, you know, DJ Brown in the back, um, Ramon Henderson, who hasn't got a lot of time. It got 38 snaps in this game. I, that's got to be a season high for him. I mean, he's he's kind of a 10 snap guy. Um, you know, Tariq, uh, DJ Brown had the interception, but, you know, I think still struggled. Uh, Kim Hart got yelled at uh, after the the blown coverage where the guy was uh, incredibly wide open, I think, at the end of the third quarter, maybe beginning of the fourth right. quarter uh, to, to, to cut the lead there. Um, and uh, I bitch it, about it, it during, like, about it a lot and I and during the game, but it's, it's just probably never going to change. I just, I think Freeman plays too much man. Like, there's just there's too much getting put on the corner sometimes. And then on top of that, there's too much getting put on your line. That's like JD Bertrand, you know, getting torched by Cincinnati. You know, that that's a, that's a, uh, a, 
you know, what happens when you're playing too much man. But I mean, that doesn't seem like it's going away. So I don't know if it's just like, if it's just the blue collar guy in me or not, but it's just like, all right, fuck it. This is what we got. This is what we're rolling with. Well, and, uh, and but, that's the thing. It's like, you know, Greg sent something to us and said against our corners, UNC was 15 for 19 for 251 yards with no, with no pass breakups. Right. Like they got theirs. They definitely got theirs. Like, I don't think there was one of us pre before the UNC game who ever said Sam Howell wasn't going to, uh, you know, get 300 yards passing and probably 75 to hundred yards rushing. Like, I just felt like that was inevitable. It just was a question of whether or not that would be a difference maker. And it I think I dismissed Sam Howell's. I, I, in fact, I know I did. I dismissed Sam Howell's running ability uh, for pretty much most of the season up until like Tuesday when I actually like sat down and watched some things. And then, and it kind of like found out like, you know, like he's involved in the running game. He's not just, he's not just like take it off on a scramble or, or any of that. Like he's actually being used in the running game. Uh, Cause I was like, Jesus, that 500, you know, he had almost 500 yards rushing before uh, they played Notre Dame. Like that's just a lot of yards. Yeah, so that, was a, big, you, that was a big point of emphasis on both our preview pod and then the UHND pod. Yeah, this, this, and you can see week, that. Though. Yeah, and you saw that in the game. You saw saw the plays they called for him, and he was he was a tough bastard to get down. Oh my God, yes, and and, and I and we got a little taste of that because I think it was Isaiah Popovsky who was um, interviewed earlier in the week, and he just said, "Look, we played him last year, and he was just a hard guy to bring down." Right. Right. And, he did say that. Um, I think there's something to be said about the fact that the guy is like, and I, I was joking, obviously I said, is he covered in baby oil or Teflon or something? But like <laughs> it, that's what, that's what they, at so many times in which it looked, Oh, we got him. We got him. He's behind the line. We got him. Or we're going to drag him down for a one yard game. And, and, and all of a sudden he's twisting and Jordan Patello is eating grass instead of, uh, you know, pulling. I just think he, he's fat Ian book. Is what, is, book. Wow. Okay. Is, is what I, I mean, he, he probably has, I mean, I don't know exactly, but I think him and book are probably around the same height. Like they, they stature wise, they look the same, except how looks a lot chubbier. Yeah. He's so it's just like, a lot thicker. but you know, but he, but I, when I'm watching Sam Howell on, on Saturday night, I was thinking like, and I wasn't the only one. Cause I saw other tweets out there and, and, and comments like this must be what it was like playing against Ian book. Like this sucks. You know, he was like all of a sudden just like, here's yeah, eight right. yards, here's right. six yards. All of a sudden, like there he goes for like 31. Like that sucks. That, that's it's demoralizing. It really, I mean that it is. And Ian book of, of all the teams to, to for me to think that and feel that was, is, you know, against North Carolina when last year, Ian book had such an iconic game against UNC with, with how he played, you know, the style that he played as Herb street said it, like 50 times that's backyard football <laughs> so there was a lot of that a lot of that on saturday night and you know so sam Howell, i mean yeah i he's got me too. i won't talk shit about him like i i would talk yeah, shit about sam Howell. i would talk shit about sam Howell up until saturday night and now my mind's i'm a little good for him and that guy's a competitor he went out there and i out there and just did everything he could under look that line is still not good. There's <laughs> the, the whole reasonings behind ranking North Carolina 
in the top 10, it basically was just, they had all sorts of reasons why, but it had to be, it was just Sam Howe. And there's not a whole lot else to work with there. Like Ty Chandler's an okay back. And he was a transfer from what Tennessee or something like that. But they just lost so much. And so much of what, uh, what North Carolina is doing is just because Sam Howell is a machine. And I, and I think that they're, again, their offensive play calling, uh, the whole scheme they got set up, the a lot of different formations and stuff that they use, I think they do really well. I, I that, that's a pretty well run offense. So, what you can do with a guy like Hal, who's been in the system and and you know the different things you can use. Uh, but I want to talk about another running quarterback. I want to talk about <laughs> fucking Jack Cone. <laughs> All right, so bust it out. Listen, this was inevitable, right? Earlier oh, God, in the game, yes. I earlier in the is, game, this was Tommy the Reed, Tommy Reese pulls out Buckner. Inside the red zone, brings in Cone, and tries to get the 2012 Michigan touchdown glory back. Yeah, Jack Cone. It didn't do too bad, but it was not a touchdown. But just to see—that's that's the, that's the preamble. And then just to see Jack Cone take his quick step drop, look around, and just see grass, and then just say "fuck it" and take off. It was, it was pretty. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was it was the Jack Cone that we were sold on this summer. Doesn't have to be the fastest guy. Just no one to tuck it and run. And look, twenty one yards is not a short distance when you have animals on the defensive side of the football. Uh, come, you know, are all around you. Jack Cone did it. Pulled it down. Took it in, and no one was more surprised than Jack Cone. Then Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Reese about him getting in. And I just thought like the, like the quotes after the game, you know, about, about it all were just, you know, Kelly was joking about, about Cone wanting to know about it, what his GPS speed was on that. And then Cone <laughs> was asked, when Cone was asked about it in post game, he said, I just, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I, I don't think his speed was as fast as what he thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I, I felt as frustrating as it was to watch seven games in which Jack Cohn just absolutely refused to run the ball in any meaningful way. Um, and it really took away the the idea of um, the run pass option never being he's going to keep it and run uh, the idea, you know, that he found an opening and, and, and got 21 yards was just like. You know, you know that North Carolina watched the tape and was like, oh, "We don't have to sit a guy. We don't have to sit a guy on him. He's not running. He's just gonna. He's gonna. The pocket's gonna collapse. He's gonna, you know, put his head down and fall down. And and that's not what happened. He, he slipped through, uh, you know, outside the tackle and started. And all of a sudden, there just was nobody in that vicinity. It was great. It was absolutely great. It was great. Is that Jack Cohn ended up the game with positive rushing yards? Yeah. He had three attempts. One of those was a sack. The other two were actual. Were, one was an actual run play. And the other one was a scramble for a touchdown. So he had three three attempts for twenty for twenty eight yards. I mean, he went beast mode in that sense. But it's just that's what you need on the ground. You don't need to see the four attempts for minus seventeen and a half yards, Correct. right? Yeah. Like that's that's a that, those are drive killers. Uh. <clears throat> So, I mean, I just, so while we're on the subject of quarterbacks, 
it was a little I wasn't quite sure what to make at first of what they were doing with Cohen and Buckner. Other than, I guess my final thought to myself was, I don't think I understand exactly what they're doing, but I think they understand what they're doing. And so I'm fine with that. Yeah. I had the same reaction. It feels like they have a plan and they know exactly what they want to do with, with, with the quarterbacks and how. And so for me to try to under, if I don't understand what they're doing, that should just be okay. Yeah. I had the same exact reaction. I think that's a good, a good take. Um, I saw some people saying, why aren't we doing more Buckner in the red zone? This doesn't make any sense or whatever. And I just thought, right. And they're right. Like it doesn't but, make any sense, but it, it, it didn't feel broken. It didn't feel broken. And I think that right. was an that's important the point. distinction. Right. Yeah. It's a, like most of us are like, are, are out screaming for more Buckner in the red zone. Right. It makes sense as far as like, it's a smaller area. It's a smaller area. If things break down. It's not like a guy's going to break out, you know, all of a sudden behind the defense, like you were in the middle of the field and you can, and you toss one out to him. You need a guy that can probably get some grounds on the yard or grounds uh, or grounds, some yards on the ground <laughs> yes. for you. Yeah. I know. I get there won't be the, it'll be the first of any mistakes probably in this podcast, but it's all good. So it just, it makes sense. But Notre Dame has been, it really looked like they were resigned to like, they're going to run certain packages to certain guys. This is how they're going to do it. And it's just like, okay. Like I, I still would rather see this, but it doesn't seem like you're just like throwing the shit into a hat. You have a plan for it. I'm just going to let you do your plan because that's what they pay you money <laughs> to actually do. So Tommy Rees, whatever that plan is, that's, you know, that's what they're going by. And it, it had certainly worked on Saturday night. Yep. Yeah. Big um, so, you know, that, listen, that Jack Cohn touchdown too, that was, I mean, that was an important time in the game, but like Caroline had just busted off a big touchdown run. Um, I, but yeah, it was my Ty Chandler, that big 53 yarder. I didn't, I did not expect to see, a long ass touchdown run by a North Carolina back Saturday night. That was the one that was probably the most disappointing part of the entire game for me, honestly. Um, but that was a, you know, a quick drive. And then the, the cone touchdown came at, was it a three play 75 yard drive in under a minute to answer. Yeah, that, sound, that sounds right. That was key. And that's all, you know, that was just, you know, to get that third quarter started. And that's when you kind of knew it's like, all right, now it's on like whatever you thought about this game before, like all week long, like, and however you felt about the defense, what they can and can't do all that shit was off the fucking table. Like, yeah, if you, you have that, you have that moment where it's like 2017, you're like the, the nuts are tightening. Right. And you're thinking to yourself, is this, is this the beginning of some sort of spinning out of control? And then go to go the, the three and 75 was like, Oh, nope, never mind. Uh, this so defense, these, this defense is having trouble with us. These kind of games are not reserved for just like, okay, so one of the big things about Notre Dame, right, that that fans are frustrated about is they don't get this elite five-star quarterback, right? And, like, we can point to our defense, like, those last few years, like, they're only giving up 18 points a game and all this, but, like, when you're playing a good team, like, points need to be scored, right? Saban has admitted that, like, we need, you need to score points in these big games. Sure. This wasn't, like, one of those big games, right? 
But that is, but those kind of games aren't reserved for just those games. Sometimes two teams come together. One is better than the other, clearly. But you just get into a fucking. All of a sudden, you get into a dogfight, score dog fest. Fight. Yeah, <clears throat> like you're just out there swinging. We haven't been involved in a game like that in a lot in a long time. It feels like, and I couldn't even give you the last example of a, of a game like this. But. <laughs> Well, it's funny that they, what I remember for sure was the 2014 game against North Carolina that was that was very similar to this. Right, the game that broke uh, Brian Van Gorder. Uh, let's let's, def- let's definitely bring that up. So there's more <laughs> Brian Van Gorder, uh, Marcus Freeman fucking the comparisons. But no, this was just the game that. All right, once once you once you got that Chandler touchdown and the Jack Cohn touchdown that early in the third quarter, and it's 24-20. Here we go. Is basically what it was, what it boiled down to. Like, here we go. What's going to happen? Who's going to who's going to flinch? Uh, basically, like I, I, I know that was a just, that was a big thing. Just as important as the three plays, seventy five yard touchdown drive was that they went three and out on the and then very next possession. I mean, the defense yes. stood tall. I mean, the defense didn't always show up. I'm mean, obviously they got out 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 gained or and people that like to obsess about yard points. Um, you know that certainly happened, but that series. They took, they responded to the touchdown and the lead and they protected it. Right. And then just as important, like, like this was a, this was an excellent series for Notre Dame, right? That big touchdown run and you answer with a quick touchdown drive. You force a three and out the only three and out of the game for North Carolina, by the way, Notre Dame only had one three and out too. And that's actually coming up soon, but so you get that three and out, you get the part. Then what do you do? You take an 11 yard play drive, 81 yards in almost five and a half minutes for a touchdown. And that's, but at that point, maybe you're not feeling, go ahead. Let me ask you a question, Josh. Uh, The stars of this drive were Lorenzo Styles Jr., Logan Diggs, and Tyler Buckner. What do they all have in common? Well... I mean, they're all good enough to hail from the state of Ohio. <laughs> I was going to say, we're going to see a lot more of them in, the, in years. They got a lot of eligibility left to, amongst those three. Yeah, th- three freshmen. And I was not shy Saturday night about putting that out there about as much as I could. Because, you know, it wasn't just them. Your fucking left tackle is a freshman. You know, and he's starting for the injured freshman left tackle. Yep. I mean, is there was plenty – uh, Kaharu Kia, which I, I had meant to say something about during the USC game and, and never did. I was glad he made a, a nice special teams tackle uh, Saturday night because I, then I could bring him up. Been playing great on special teams. Number 44, if you're wondering who he was. Number 44 out there, Kaharu Kia, who was injured in the in uh, in fall camp. He's coming on as a special special teams player. Just as important as, as so much of this other stuff. So, so many of your freshmen – are contributing and we were told Brian Kelly doesn't play freshman consistently told. I mean, if that, if that, uh, canard doesn't have a, a knife through its proverbial heart. Holy cow. I just like, let's end this. I, I hope that anybody who watches this season remembers this season for years. Uh, so I that don't, when somebody brings this up. We just shut them up and say, shut up. Lorenzo styles, Logan Diggs, like 
Do I? I need mean, you to would on? think of all the other examples throughout the years. Deanna Colsey, yeah, would, of course, would have done that. You know, I mean, like, no, of course not. Uh, 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 T.J. Jones. Uh, you know, there's plenty right. of examples. But this comes after all that still hubbub and the discontent from Jordan Johnson transferring. And look what you have. And yet, Lorenzo Styles, another second game in a row. He's been big for the offense. Gonna have to figure out a way to get him in um, uh, into the end zone. But he had three catches yeah, for seventy four. This is the he future. Was, right? He was leading receiver in yardage. He is never. He is never going to leave the unless he unless he gets injured. And I'm knocking on wood here. Like he's never going to leave <laughs> the the game plan now. Like he is. He is. He has forced, as Greg would like to say, he has forced the hand of Tommy Reese and Brian Kelly. He needs to be played. He's making plays. Well, and you know, on on top of that, you have. I mean, look at the depth chart. Where's the depth chart say? Brayden Lindsay one, Lorenzo Styles two. Who has produced this season and who keeps getting dinged up? And right. Brayden Lindsay once again, unfortunately, got dinged up. On, it was on the on the end around. And it wasn't the hit so much as when, I think when he came down, uh, the back of the head. Um, knocked up against it. And Kelly joked uh, after the game about uh, the Gettysburg address. And I, I think Braden Lindsay's probably all right. But the fact that you could joke around about that and that he was all right, that wasn't that all that serious. And they probably knew that it wasn't like he was in concussion protocol, but, but really wasn't says a lot about Lorenzo styles. Like the, like the, the faith they have, have um, you know, in him as a player now, midway through the season, you know, going to finish it up. He's definitely put the pressure on. Like he deserves the snaps. Like he's been productive. He's doing the things he had an atrocious drop uh, in, the, in the game that actually probably cost him a hundred yard uh, receiving night. Uh, but you know, drops happen. Uh. Unfortunately. Oh, Lorenzo. That was, that was in the hand. That wasn't, that wasn't even a tough catch. That was in the hands. Uh, but he has been very productive. Well, you know I can't. We 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 suffered through that with Will Fuller, and we were we were just fine. We were just fine. Yeah. Exactly. He, exactly. He could have got more, but oh my god, I just, I just like, I feel like there should be somebody hyping him just as much as we all hype Kyle Hamilton. And there's there's something about this. There's something about this season and the drops too. Like Avery Davis, who's been pretty sure-handed, had a pretty uh, bad yeah. drop Saturday night too. You know, and Avery Davis is a guy who we never talk about enough, ever. Right. And we should, I, I would, I'd be willing to lay down a, 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 a fair bet that Davis comes back next year. I can see that happening. Like one more year of, of being a wide receiver to boost his, his draft stock. I, I, and I, Look, I think he's legit. Like I just watch him get the ball in his hands. The way he moves, he runs extreme extremely well. I think just, you know, just his ball skills in general need to improve a little bit and that definitely showed on that uh on that drop, but Avery Davis has been consistent. Big play guy. But I mean, think of like so the big play moments for Notre Dame in the last couple of years. And Avery Davis has been involved. It's yeah, even on a 91-yard crazy ass run from Kyron Williams. Avery Davis has evolved because watch him who is running twice as fast as everybody else on the field. And then just breeze in front of the trailing guy and didn't touch him just to seal the deal. Like 
to be yeah. smart enough to not touch the guy. I'm glad Kelly said something about that after the game. Like to be smart enough to not touch that guy, just to like you're just running across him. And that that was enough to give an extra yard and a half to yard separation. You know, not that that guy was going to tackle Kyron, you know, but you just you watch all that and you're like, man, this is it's all clicking for Avery Davis. He do, he does it correctly. I hope we get another year out of him. I think we will. I think he'll come back for another year, but um, he deserves yeah, think, a, a lot of cred. I think Tyler James from uh, from the South Bend Tribune was the first time, first person I noticed who, who tweeted about that. He said, after you watch Kyron Williams 100 times, watch Michael Mayer and Avery Davis 50 times each. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just, it's like, I, I use the, the, the meme uh, about the punt return, the, the, or the, I don't know. It was, yeah, it was a punt return, like with Kyron Williams going 40 yards or whatever. But like I said, sex is great. But have you ever seen a punt returner with a guy uh, with in front of him looking to block somebody? You know what I mean? Like that's right. not, you know, th- that's the same exact thing. Sex is great. But like, have you seen Avery Davis <laughs> turn, you know, realize that uh, Kyron Williams is about to house one and just turn on the jets? Or have you seen Michael Mayer just like, just eliminate a dude? Like Kyron says <laughs> in the post game, I knew once I stiff arm number 12, I was going to make it see So like, bro, you're 91 yards away and you still got to get like, I mean, you know, mayor makes that, uh, from, I would think about a 50 yard gain to, to the house call. Right. I mean, right. Mayor doesn't lay down that. It doesn't sideline that dude. And, um, we're talking about a, a nice run, but, uh, but uh, you know, a run that probably stops about midfield. So, so we, we talked about the um, uh, the the three and out, right? That helped lead for Notre Dame to get that uh, the next touchdown drive and all that. But if you if you look at the drive chart, which I am looking at square right now, Notre Dame's defense actually did pretty okay for a little stretch, and it was this it was the stretch that Notre Dame needed, where they got the three and out, they allowed a touchdown, but then they got another punt. Which was a bi- which was a big review, by the way. So, oh yeah, right. Uh, huge review that I didn't think was going to get. I didn't I didn't notice that right away, and I'm like, I don't know why they're reviewing this. I tweeted it out, like, what the fuck are they doing? Even reviewing this. Knee was down, a good half yard before, and no matter how you feel, you can't <laughs> you can't go for it. You know, the fourth quarter like that, deep in your own territory. It's just that. That is Kirby smart level of dumbness. Yeah. Uh, but yep. Notre Dame forces that punt. Uh, I think they, and that was the punt right before. Yes. So they, that goes down to the uh, nine yard line. Cool. And then something just miraculous that we've probably only like mentioned like 50 times already <laughs> in this podcast. Cause it's how, how do you not? Kyron Williams on that run was just spectacular. He was what three, four yards behind the line of scrimmage. He changed direction and he going right stuck in a pile. I know it. Like the, the guy touched the, there was a number 64, I think for, uh, for North Carolina, if I, if I remember correctly, it was right there. I don't know if he touched him. If Kyron's just shoulder pass kind of grazed him, but it was right there. And then he just, Came back out that left side, dropped that stiff arm, and, and in real time, the stiff arm takes all about a half a second. My my but, low key favorite part of that is too that Jack Cohn thinks for a half second about blocking, and he's like, you know what, I'll just get out of the way. I'll just get out of the way. 
<laughs> Jack Cohn, smart guy, smart yeah. guy. Yeah, Kyron after the game, like, hey, when, when did you know you were going to score the 900 yard? I knew I was going to score as soon as I st- stiff arm number 12. And that's been my favorite tweet that I put out was just so happy we have a couple of nice pictures of that stiff arm in the in the system after the game. And this is incredible. Like, it was just a quick punch, but that dude hit the ground. And then he's flipping with his feet, <laughs> feet up in the air. I mean, it was it was amazing. And then it just Kyron, who has speed, but not like he doesn't have Chris Tyree speed. But so it's kind of. It's kind of amazing that he pulls out these these long ass runs that he does. Who is, uh, who is this Chris Tyree that you speak of? Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> he he waves to the ball as oh, it goes over the guy his head. Special teams? Yeah. Yeah, he, wave, he waves to the ball. So I mean, they put Matt Salerno in at one point. Just saying. Hey, Matt Salerno had a hell of a block on a um, did. on a on a Kyron Williams run. The Williams is out there like fucking directing traffic. But no, this, so we, we already mentioned Avery Davis out there hustling, but I mean, Michael Mayer, who is really for all the good cred that Michael Mayer gets, he hasn't been the world's greatest blocking tight end. Just it's, a, it's an improvement on his game that he needs to do. All right. Yeah. He's a, he's a sophomore for as good as he yeah. is. He's still a sophomore. Things he needs to prove on. That is definitely one of them. But on that run, Michael Mayer did the job. He took his man out freed up Kyron and then he's down streaking down the sidelines and now we're cooking with gas. I mean, oh, yeah. he, you know, now, now we're you just think to yourself, there's talking. just no way they're going to blow this. I, I, like other, yeah, I mean, other so, years of Kelly years or maybe even white stuff, there would have just been still no confidence, but I mean, they just don't, they don't lose games like this anymore, which is great. Well, you, I mean, you get that touchdown and now it's 38, 27. Right. And you're feeling pretty good. And then then what happens? DJ Brown. Immediately, first play of the first play of the next drive for UNC. <clears throat> Hal throws an interception to DJ Brown. This is about to get broken the fuck up. Wide open. Right. Yeah. Like, like this was happening. Uh unfortunately, Notre Dame's offense. They got a little too cute. Yeah. A l- little too cute. A little too cute for sure. Um and, you know, it just uh, this stuff happens, unfortunately. But, you know, they did enough to get it into a very comfortable field goal range. Uh, and now we're up 41-27. There is about, oh, what? Probably like 10, 12, 11 minutes <clears throat> left in the fourth quarter. So, yeah. So so you're, you got a decent lead, but there's still a ton of time. Yeah. Against an offense who has been putting up a ton of yards, who now feels cornered, which is a dangerous animal, because really in the second half, I, I mean Carolina struggled after that <clears throat> that initial touchdown run, right? Like up yeah. and, up to that point, Carolina scored. I mean they scored that early third quarter touchdown, and then it's been a couple of punts and interception and uh, the one touchdown. So you're feeling pretty good. <clears throat> And then Sam Howell just does what Sam Howell does. He goes 75 yards, and then he run, runs it in for 31 yards out. I don't know how he scored. Like, the guys didn't see him. Like, he was just, like, cruising by guy. Like, I was, like, so that, duck, was, duck, that, was, that was frustrating because it looked like some guys were playing, like, half speed or something. Like, I remember Jordan Vitello got either took out a dude 
or he was just not, I don't know, he took a bad angle or what the deal is. It right. Was, there was dudes that had opportunities to get him and they just went or there. they just, yeah. So, yeah, that was weird. Uh, <laughs> all right. So it, the game's, the game's closer now. I mean, it's, it's 41, 34. There's still what? Four and a half minutes left to go. Something like that. What's Notre um, Dame do? A little bit longer, but yes. Yep. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. There's about seven and a half minutes to go. Um, but Notre Dame chews off almost six minutes off the clock on a 13-play, 73-yard drive for another field goal. Makes like North Carolina burn all three of its timeouts too, which was huge. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, they I mean they chewed up almost six minutes of clock on the, on a field goal drive. So right. they were they did everything correct um, on that except for you know bust it into the end zone there uh, towards the end. But you're using that much time. And you're adding to your you're making it a two score game, um, anyways, one way or another. Uh, you did your job. I mean, Ed, nicely helped along by a, a they were a third and fourteen. Uh, Buckner's in throws it incomplete to Austin, but it does get flagged, so they got second life on that. Um, there was a there was a face mask earlier, and the it was a, on a first down, so. They, you know, they just gave the uh, field position. The, fa- or whatever. the face mask on Kyron. Yeah, that was a huge one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a <laughs> Jesus was man. That guy, that guy yeah. pulled with all with all his weight. Yeah, he was he was looking for. Yeah, there was, was a twenty five yard penalty. You could you could have called it on that. Like shit, yeah. man. Um. So yeah, and then you know North Carolina. I mean Notre Dame go their prevent defense is is not is not good. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun to watch. Well, and the uh, same thing is, I had a terrible week on Tally site, but, you know, one of the p- picks I did make was, and you weren't on the show, but one of the picks I did make was to, for North Carolina to cover the spread. And I think you tweeted about it. You said, oh, man, this, 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 this is aching up for, you know, stinking, you know, backdoor cover here or whatever. And I really did feel like they were going to score a late touchdown. And it was Oh, I didn't think I called that many. I didn't tweet out that many words. I think I just called you a traitor. No, no, that's I, a, that's, you, that's, no, no. You said uh, this is this is lining up to be. A, a, oh like yeah, a yeah, yeah. Oh, during the game, like yeah, that. yeah, during yeah, the, that three yeah. and a half, yeah, three and a half points, like motherfuckers. I mean, we had already seen the uh, the clubs of Florida State. <laughs> and it's it's starting it's starting <laughs> to feel like I can see this ending forty four forty one with backdoor cover, and it's just like it was annoying. It's annoying, you know what I mean? Like it yeah, because it didn't feel like a forty four forty one game. Cause I felt physically, I mean, I felt like attacked with that three and a half point line anyways. Yeah. So, but anyways, but Hey, get a, get another sack in there. Jordan Botello records himself a sack there on that. Uh, so question about uh, that. What the hell is in the grass? Yeah. Is this college having in the grass rule? Because I felt like he was literally dragging Sam Howell down and all of a sudden they're like, you know, intentional grounding, which, was fine, but like at some point, don't they blow that play dead? Um, maybe there's a question for our resident referee and well, uh, I th- in the comment section. I think in that moment, they're not going to blow it dead because he's still crazy. He's still moving. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he's still. Uh, I mean, just think if they if they blow the whistle and half a second later. How find someone in the end zone? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, 
that's that's a terrible week. That's weeks. You, if you were in Notre Dame in that situation, you'd be pissed. So I, I think they kind of make make sure that you know maybe that doesn't happen in the second quarter, but in the fourth quarter on a drive like that, you're kind of letting it play out a little bit. I mean, usually it's like once like once your momentum is done and all that, but they let it play out. But here's like Jordan Patello gets himself a sack. So good for him. Uh, get that intentional grounding call. And it's, well, there are two seconds left in the game, and that was a done with. So 44-34. I felt pretty good. I saw a lot of good things. And mostly it was like I wanted to see the offense go out and put some points on the board. And I think for the second week in a row, they left points on the field. This time in terms of field goal drives that should have been touchdown drives. I think – those last two drives in particular, maybe not the first field goal yeah, of the night. Yeah, they left the ball the two-yard line two, two consecutive times. Yeah. They easily yeah, those, could have those, had 50-some points in this game. Yeah. So, you know, that that you would like to see a little different, but the fact you got over 40 um, was, a, was, a big, was a big deal, especially when you still have a Virginia on the schedule. I mean, you're going to have to score 38, 38 to 45 points to beat Virginia. Yeah. I'd... I don't believe Virginia is going to score 40-some points in their name. Like, I I just don't. I don't get it either. It, call, call me stupid, but I think Notre Dame, regardless of the what people think of their defense from that, I think they're just better than a lot of these teams that Virginia has been playing. I'm like, what's so hard about that? What is so hard about, about, about looking at a team and say, okay, who have you played to, to get to? It's like Notre Dame, right? Like their offense looked terrible and bad, but look at the defenses they played early in the season. And it's like now you're playing not so good defenses. Like like the whole narrative of Notre Dame would be changed with a flip of their schedule. I mean, really. And maybe even the Cincinnati loss doesn't happen. Maybe there's things that you figure out in those. You know, that's why your cupcakes are important. You know, you figure some things out. But it's just like. I know Virginia scares some people because of the points, but just go ahead and look at who they've played and and then look at their record against the teams that they've played and then tell me how scared you are again. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. But that's just me. You know what else doesn't make sense, Jude? What? Anyone who buys clothing not from... <laughs> Field apparel. Uh the the cow collection is hot fire. I was really enjoying the uh, the new cow stuff. Did you like it? Field. Yes, I did. I I, yeah. I I like they've been dropping. They did you know the four one uh, the did, the four way rumble Royal Rumble. And yeah, all that. Berman, Georgia State, Troy, and who was the yeah. third one? Fourth one. Uh, There's some good stuff in that too. I mean, now it's just, it's getting ridiculous. Like the amount of inventory, amount of SKU numbers that they have uh, attached to them now is getting, is getting ridiculous. But like, yeah, cows, the band out in the field t-shirt. Uh, I mean, just, God, there's so many just good ones. Ending with Oski. It's great. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I love that Cal script logo. In fact, uh, after Michigan state one, they, they released the state, uh, script logo and I, of course I would never wear it but I, I do respect the uh, 
how how nostalgic that is for for, for uh, Michigan State people and how you know it's reminiscent of like kind of the heyday of oh, yeah. Johnson and you know oh it's so, gorgeous yeah, yeah the script gorgeous. is script is all good um the it's funny about the cow just growing up my uh my grandfather his first name was Kalos, C A L O uh, which is kind of an, uh, an uncommon name but every you know everyone everyone just called him Cal and so my mom uh, just has random like Cal things. Like she's mm. she's not a Cal fan at all, but she has random like a, a Cal coffee mug and just kind of stuff, stuff like that. So I don't know. I might have to end up getting her one of these uh, these Cal script teas or even the or even the crew. The, the crew. Uh, the crew would be nice. Yeah. For those. Uh, it'd be water. Winter days. It'd be waterworks. Up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So which it's just kind of funny. Like I fuck. I think there was a a refrigerator magnet when I was growing up a big cow refrigerator back on the fridge that was there all the time. It was just kind of, kind of funny. My, so Joshua, my let grandfather, me ask you, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, no, let, me ask just you, gonna... let me ask you a question. Um, is there a way that we could save our, our loyal listeners a couple of bucks on their home field purchase? As a matter of fact, if you use code one foot, you will save 15% off your first order with home field apparel. And I got to tell you, somebody was living up to the one foot brand, uh, this week, Kevin Austin. (laughs) 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 So yeah, use that code. Yeah. Say 15% off your first order. And again, I mean, we've, we continually talk about how good the Notre Dame collection is, and it is excellent. It is stellar. Uh, it's, you know, the top dog, for most people probably is the clash for Mike shirt. It's just amazing. I, I got a guy tweeting at me today about being at, uh, I think the Colts game wearing a clash more Mike shirt. Um, but it's just, it's stellar all the way through. Uh, at some point we'll get a refresh, which is just means that they're going to add more to it, which means they're just going to take everybody's money. Uh, but Again. <laughs> another thing too, that, that I keep mentioning each week is that look, not everybody wants Notre Dame. I'm not as smart as Jude. You, I mean, it may sound the opposite on this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I went, I, I went to a Mac school and some Mac schools there. It's harder to find uh, quality, you know, college team apparel than others. Uh, Eastern probably is one of those. Brendan uh, up at central uh, is probably another one there. Homefield's got those schools. You got to, if you're a subway alum and you went somewhere else, maybe, maybe you went to Furman, maybe you went to Radford. I mean, maybe you went to the Colorado school of mines, which I've never met anybody that went to the Colorado school of mines. So if you did, and you listen to this podcast, please let me know. Uh, and that collection is, <laughs> is out of this world. Uh, the Colorado school of mines collection. So it's just nice for the, for the, for the small schools to kind of get their due uh, to get there, to to get the same kind of quality, same kind of love, because Homefield really does. They they go through old yearbooks, they go through scrapbooks. I mean, like they found like old marketing material for Notre Dame's hockey shirt. They found uh, an old frisbee that they used uh, from like the 1980s that they handed out for another shirt, like as a design. They really go back, want to get you that that those sweet ass retro looks and put it on the softest, most comfortable gear uh, that's out there, and it. It is. We could keep saying it till we're blue in our face that this shit's comfortable as hell, but you're gonna have to get you're gonna have to get it yourselves. 
Go out there and get it. One foot right now will save you 15% on that first order. So go get it. I'm rocking my my uh, my home sweet home uh, Tennessee shirt right now. Just FYI. I'm wearing my Tulane hoodie. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we're feeling it. Look, the, the, the other thing I'll tell you is that I did I, – you've heard me mention this a couple of times in the pod. I did order some uh, birthday presents for my wife. The time from the time I clicked order to the time that it arrived at at, uh, at my work, because obviously I didn't send it to the home, was 18 days. So if you're thinking about doing this for the holidays, um, just you know build in some time there because they are uh, they are small but but growing operation in Indiana, and uh, you're gonna need a couple of, you're gonna need a couple of days for them to turn around your order. So uh, just build that in. So start start looking right now and maybe start executing in. Uh, early November for to make sure that you get there by Christmas because you can, and there is Christmas. free. Right. And there is free shipping right now and our orders over a hundred dollars. Uh, okay. and they are asking you on the website to, to beat the rush, uh, with your holiday shopping. Um, I will say this too, though, about kind of their turnaround time. So <laughs> a growing, a growing small business, they did a big new Saturday, number two, which was just a huge hit, right? Huge hit. All these big, Notre Dame, Texas, Florida, Georgia, LSU. I mean, just long yep. list of, of big names. Washington. Yep. While they were switching from a from their warehouse and manufacturing spot to another one, uh, so <laughs> just think about that. That that was that, that's a that's a big move as you're like having orders fly in. Uh, so I think they did a pretty good job of of trying to uh, try to manage that, from what I could tell. Um, so and I think things are are going to go along uh, a lot smoother now that they're in their spot that they're in now, rather than moving half their shit in and out of a new warehouse. So go get it. That's that's it. Yeah, and if you happen to live near Notre Dame, um, they've got some home field stuff in the bookstore now, so you'll be able to touch it, feel it. Uh, I don't think you can try it on right now because of COVID, but uh, you you definitely get a sense of how comfortable these, these shirts are. So uh, go check them out too. If you, if you find yourself closer to the bookstore than you are to uh, the order button. I think that's how, you know, when something's good, right? This is a, this was a small business. Like I remember buying Eastern shirts from them uh, like two years ago, like when they first really came out and now you get home field shirts. I, I swear to God, someone tweeted out a picture of like, Hey, I found these out in the wild. I don't know if they're I really, I've not sold that they were at Kohl's, but it looked like a Kohl's <laughs> like display. Like that's wow. how you know it's going to be. Even if it's just in the bookstore, like you're, you're selling there. This is quality stuff. So yeah, to me that yeah, the, it looked like the, it looked, the, the bookstore, you know, sells a lot of stuff. Again, I think I mentioned this before. It sells a lot of stuff I personally wouldn't buy. Um, so it's not exactly, uh, you know, an imprint, Mature of a uh, quantity there or quality, but uh, you know, it's uh, in, in the case of Homefield, it's a good collab. And uh, you know, look at what uh, was it Georgia Tech just did with their uh, their stuff. I mean, their their oh, yeah. coach was wearing it, the AD was wearing it. I mean, it just clearly they found it comfortable, they found it, they found it looks uh, pretty sweet, and so they were they were all in, absolutely. All right. So let's get out of here, Jude. Okay. Let's 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 start to wrap this bad boy up. I mean, is there is there anything more that you 
that you took from this game that we kind of already haven't mentioned before. We we hopped around quite a bit, um, but I, I thought we touched touched base on most things. You know, offense we're happy with. Defense was was a very much a mix, mixed bag. But I think if you if you went back over it a little bit, especially in that second half, they came through and sometimes they needed to to get the win. And you're doing it without the best player on the team and Kyle Hamilton. Um, is there anything else anything else you want to add to to any of that? No, I think I pretty much said what I what I wanted to. Obviously, looking forward to uh, breaking expectations against Navy and uh, and shattering that S and P plus projection from June. Jeez Louise! Yeah, just <clears throat> I mean the the whole S and P plus uh, conversation from uh, was it Saturday night or is it or was it was that today Sunday? It was Saturday. It was Saturday night. Yeah. Saturday. Okay. Game. Yeah, <laughs> it was hard to keep track, but. It was uh, math, man. Fucking math. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what to say. I mean, Wisconsin, even as they were losing, kept going up in the S and P plus ranking. So I, I don't know what to say. I think not in Bill's defense or S P or S because I guess I'm not even don't even have to defend Bill. It's not Bill, right? It's just SP, it's just the formula. But and not in the formula's defense, but. The formula takes in a huge part of their of that formula is the preseason projections, right? The preseason expectations. And I think this year, as much as any year in the past, you could probably set all those on fucking fire because of, you know, the COVID season before. And this is why we're having such a crazy season now is because all of our expectations and projections getting tossed in the window early because we honestly, nobody really knew what most teams had. Like it was just kind of like, it's like been a grab bag of what's happening here. So enjoy it. I think the college football season has been fun as hell. Uh, it's a lot more fun than 2007 when Notre Dame went three and nine and, and, and everything, and everything was going nuts all around them. So, so being seven and one while all this nutbaggy shit is happening, I'll take that. Could have really used a, cl- a Clemson loss on Saturday. That would have been that would have been a little more fun. Yeah, with Arch standing in attendance. I guess I guess the one thing I'll say about Bill Connolly is I, I don't know what he wants us to do with SP plus. Right? If you're going to put out an article in June that says SP plus says Notre Dame's going to go seven and five, and you know that people are going to write about that. And then immediately in the comments section, you're walking that back and say, well, I personally believe that they're a top 15 team and they're going to win nine to 10 games. Why can't you have a mathematical formula that accounts for that? I'm not saying that you need to rig the numbers, but I'm just saying if you if you're if you're if there's something about your formula that's giving you an output that just doesn't feel, feel like it matches reality. Why can't you, isn't there a tweet that you can find? And I know he's been playing with this for years. So if you're telling me don't don't pay attention to SP plus or it doesn't know what it's talking about, then why are we writing articles around SP plus? Um, if you're saying SP plus is not me, uh, you're the creator and the only person who has the the secret sauce who can put out SP plus. So, like, I don't understand how you can say it's not you. Like, I don't understand the, the difference between Bill Connolly personal pundit and bill Connolly's mathematical formula you know like right you're, and, you're I, perp- and i would say that like like i like bill but like you're perpetrating this out in the ether and you're and you put espn behind it right and you're saying 
hey, this is important. I'm going to write about this every week, and I'm going to use this as the basis for my previews for over the summer. And you knew that it was going to be a, a hornet's nest, and you knew you were inviting trouble. And you sort of even like try to walk it back almost immediately. And now you're getting upset when people are, you know, dunking, right? And it was, you know, it's it's a little crass of me to, to do that. But at the same time. But like, why I, not? But, but why not? Exactly. But is, why not? Like if something was wrong, I and I know like dunking has a negative connotation. And I don't I don't know if I even use that word all that often as far as so it's, it's like. I am pointing it out that this was absolutely fucking wrong because at the time it came out, I said it was wrong. So I am just emphasizing my point was correct in June. You know I mean? Like that's all, that's all we're really saying, but I, it does feel like he takes it a little personal, even though he says he doesn't because he gets super defensive. Like if you're not taking it personal, then you, there is an easy way to just complete, completely deflect it to the formula and to say, I constantly tweak on it. That's a miss, you know, or to, or to use, like he keeps, he keeps leaning on the whole preseason projections thing, but yet he's never once gave the the reasoning that I, that I've seen the reasoning that I just gave about coming off that COVID year. Like everything's fucked up. Like there wasn't a whole lot, like our projections were dumb and that's an easy, that's a, for me, that's an easy out. Like say yeah, this formula you know you you know uses these. It's a heavy part of it. This year, all the projections are just fucking crazy ass stupid because of the COVID year. This is what it is. But it's almost like he doubles down on it, like it just rides with it. Because I think in the end, like overall, they get like it. It, it it's somewhat accurate. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, like, all these other, like, crazy, like, terribly wrong takes on it don't matter because the overall was hit at a 52%. You know what I'm saying? Or whatever the hell. I don't know. It's – math is dumb. Math is so dumb. <laughs> I mean, I, I, like, I, like, I like looking at it. I like thinking about it. But I also try not to take it too seriously. And, you know, <laughs> and, and frankly, I've got um, – such a small percentage of what Bill Connolly has in terms of followers on Twitter. Like there's really no reason to quote t- tweet me and act any way defensive about my take. I just, um, like you know, any computer formula out there. I just, I don't take, like, it's another bit of information for me. Like, yeah, I don't take exactly. it. It's personal. Like, upgrades. like, okay, here, here they are, you know? And then when somebody's like, yeah. you got to defend this. I'm like, I don't write for PFF. So I'm just literally just passing. PFF grades here. are one thing. PFF takes are another thing. Yeah, that's true. Look at you, Anthony Trash. So, that's true. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I I had to look up Sagarin, but I know last week before the North Carolina game, Notre Dame was like eighth in Sagarin and sixth in strength of schedule. So uh, I'll I'll fall back on the OG computer program uh, if I need my if I need some kind of computer fix. <laughs> Math. I want to I want to mention one thing not related to Notre Dame, which is that I I really liked watching Drake London play against USC or for USC oh, against Notre Dame. And uh, I really, as a college football fan, I think we're 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 uh, less off with uh, the fact that that Drake has fractured his ankle is now lost for the season. And uh, so I just you know I I know we're not in the business of of wishing uh, USC anything well, but uh, I think Drake London is a hell of a player, and I look forward to 
watching him for Saturdays and Sundays in the future. And, and I hope that, you know, this is, this is not something that, uh, is more. When I, when I first saw that Saturday season. night, when I first saw that Saturday night, my first instinct was to instantly like tweet out like how much this fucking sucks. And then I do that. And then write down my, my feed was four or five other Notre Dame people that were saying Doing the same exact thing. thing. Yep. Yeah. Thank and, Thank and I think, Thank I like the one thing I like about our name fans, especially those I, I tend to interact with on Twitter is like they're college football fans too. Um, and, and, you know, at, while we didn't like Drake London getting his against, against Notre Dame, uh, we, we could appreciate the talent just like we could appreciate Sam Howell's talent. And if Sam Howell were to be injured, I, I think I would feel pretty. Well, didn't I, didn't I say how bad I felt for Drake London in the, in our, in a review pod? Like actually, like, yeah. I, I said, like, I really fucking feel bad for him because he balled the shit out. Like, he's just on the wrong team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's just, it's like, it sucks for anybody to get injured. Probably in what's going to be is London. He's a junior, right? This is it. Uh, you put me on the spot there. I, I actually don't know the answer to that. It's either so. a junior or a senior, I think. Yeah. So, cause yeah, cause he played against Notre Dame and, and, uh, or he was on the team in, in uh, team. Right. Yeah. Uh, he's, you know, it, he's done. He's going to the NFL. So you just hate to see anybody's college career end, you know, on a note like that. that and, yeah. Yeah. Especially, especially like the great ones. Like if we don't see Kyle Hamilton again, uh, that's going to suck. Cause yeah. And I, and I want to be, I want to be very clear about this. We have no special insight. Uh, we don't have any connections to his, his family or certainly the coaching staff or whatever. So if he comes back and plays we're, that's great. And if he doesn't, then I personally believe he has his reasons and I'm okay with it. So, and I, and I, I've okay with myself. Not like I, people have asked and I'm just like, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I have to give an opinion one way or another. I mean, if I had one to be like, I could see him coming back. I and then I could see him not coming back. Sure. Uh, I don't know. There's there's all sorts like of opinions about it. People have, and people have already put those out out you know into the universe. But I just, I just I'm I, not going to people to take a deep breath and, and separate themselves from the fact that they're fans of a certain team and say, if you were in that predicament as a 20 year old and you knew what potential payday was awaiting you what would your decision be? And would you expect right. people to criticize you and say you weren't a team player because you didn't, you didn't rush right back or yeah, you didn't not, play when you weren't a hundred percent, you know? Like, like I could see myself on the flip side of that argument, but my reasoning was, isn't as like dickish as that. <laughs> like I could see, I mean, I could see Kyle coming back because he wants that fucking glory. He's a competitor. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you don't, from day one of arriving, and we know this at Notre Dame. I can't speak for other schools, but we know this at Notre Dame. From day one that you arrive, and it's not even day one. It's while you're being recruited. You are being sold a whole bunch of things to come to the University of Notre Dame. One of those things is this brotherhood inside the football team. Sure. Cheesy and corny? Sure. You know, if, if you're not if if you're not used to being on sports teams, if you, if you didn't play. You know, if you were in athletics a lot in high school or in college, maybe you don't quite understand it. But all those guys become it's your it's not even your second family. It's your first family during the season. These are everybody that you're around 24 seven. Nobody wants to let anybody down. 
that's why the that's why the fights like when the locker room gets gets kind of up in arms. That's why that gets blown out of proportion is so much bigger than than what it should be. Is because everyone's so close together all the time. So you were sold on this brotherhood thing, <clears throat> and Kyle has brought that up multiple times. I mean, just some, it's so nice to have those guys have the podcast because they the way they speak freely into into the microphone recording rather than to a reporter is refreshing to hear like some actual real thoughts rather than canned responses. And you can tell that that's all there. That's all real. Um, <clears throat> so, but on the flip side of that, you also have the being sold the four for 40 and for people, you know, and for a lot of football players, that's actually three for 40 because you can get your degree that quickly, just the way that they're in school in summer and all that good stuff. So, <clears throat> I don't know. Like I, yeah, I know it's. I know that it would tear him up personally to have to sit there and watch a team play, and try to make the best decision for him financially. But I don't know, man. I, I, I was gonna say I'm glad I'm not in those shoes, but actually, that's not true. I wish I was in those shoes to make that <laughs> tough, that kind of tough decision. Uh, but yeah, but it is a tough decision. It's a personal one, and it is what it is. I mean, I. I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna speculate on which game, which game or which not. It's not. I. It is important, but it's not my commentary or Jude's commentary or Brendan's commentary. None of that matters to to what's happening. We're just we're in a wait and see mode. We'll wait and see what happens. Um. I think I'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh. Well, <clears throat> that's all I got for tonight. Um. I. The worst week of the year is upon us. That we have to do this this shit. Um, but let's just get through it. It's a pointless game. Uh, but I just uh, yeah. one aside about that. Mike Tirico dropped off the whole. Father Hesburgh said it wasn't for Navy. We'd be close within a year. And I'm see, just like, see, Gus Johnson doesn't do Gus like Johnson doesn't bring shit up. I can't, I can't fucking deal with this. I can't deal with this anymore. Like, there's no such thing Gus as jo- Wookiee life death. I'm 100% slow. Yeah, I, anywhere. A couple there's years, no contract totally anywhere. in your corner. I just, I cannot, I cannot deal with this anymore. I understand the history. Don't come at me with the history. I, I read the books. I understand. Just don't believe in the playing Navy anymore. It just doesn't make sense in this no. in, in this era of needing to schedule, have schedule flexibility and scheduling competitive to just sit there and say, let's take on this one and six, two and six team. I just don't get it. Just don't get it. Let's but. let's stick a triple option team right smack dab in the middle of a couple of uh, pass happy teams. I just so I was watching uh, Navy and uh, Tulsa last week, right? And I think it was. I can't even remember the, the 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 maybe the ESPN offshoot or whatever. And this they had a graphic up that says worst time to play a triple option team. First game of the season, last game of the season, anytime between the first game and the last game of the season. Like <laughs> absolutely, hundred percent true, hundred percent true. Ugh, it's it's so dumb. It's so dumb. But <clears throat> to Rico, the sh- uh, the balls on that guy to bring it up, like. <laughs> I, I don't know if you saw Jude, but I got a kick. I really rattled some cages Saturday night after Kyron's uh, touchdown. Uh, shortly after I had tweeted out 
about him mailing it in and Gus Johnson would have lit the solar system on fucking fire. Had he been the guy on the call on that? And of course there's enough people out there that, that share my opinions and they were loving it. One guy was just super pissed about it. And it's just like, you really don't. Number one, it was just a joke. Yeah. Even though I truly believe it, it was just a joke, but it's just like, that was the first. So I did not go to the game. Saturday night, I have had some health. Uh, I had some health reasons not to go uh, non-COVID related. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> because of course, that in this day and age. And just for uh, kind of not full disclosure, because you guys don't get to fucking know everything. But I may not. I'm not sure if I'm going to make it to another Notre Dame home game for the rest of the season. We'll see. Um, this was. Uh, anyways. So I don't get. When I listen to Rico, it's usually it's it's almost always in replay mode, right? I've already been there, saw it live. When I hear Tariko, it's it's in uh it's in replay mode, and I, it's like I said, it's fine, it's fine, it's it's professional, cool. But I think there ain't no gas to it. Watch that Michigan Michigan State game with Gus Johnson. There's fucking there is fire everywhere. The whole state of Michigan was on fire on a couple of those calls from Johnson. It's just more fun. It's more exciting. I I like that. I don't need I don't need anybody to be professional. I don't need anybody to be unbiased either. I just I just want to have I want to be it. I want if I'm going to listen to a call, I want it to be entertaining because I, I do see most of these games live. I don't need someone in my ear telling me all this shit that I already know. I already know it. So I, mean, I know that's not the case for, for most people out there and I, I get it. So again, this is just a personal taste thing, but yeah, Gus Johnson forever. Let's get him. <laughs> I'm cool with Drew Brees so far. It's, you know, it's really not moving me one way or another. I think he's just got to, he's got to drop the term hat on hat. He loves talking about hat on hat. It's just, I get it, but like, that's, it's getting a little, a little overused, a little overused in the hat on hat stuff. So. You you had to like in a, in a in a broadcaster's first year, he's gonna he's gonna use the same phrases a lot. Yeah. Like like what what game was it that uh, Robert Griffith and um, Mark Jones were calling on this weekend? I have no idea. Ah shit, I can't remember. Uh, maybe it was the Florida State Clemson game. Okay. I think I at any rate. Robert Griffith used the same phrase like three times in like maybe a minute and a half. And like, and, and listen, and it was like, it was new each time. Kind of, kind of like when Samson first started doing Shamrock and Irish Illustrated, like both of them at the same time. Remember how he would go on Shamrock and say one thing, and then he'd go on Irish Illustrated <laughs> and say it almost like he was saying it for the first time. It's like, no, nah, dude, everybody heard you say that same. That ain't a surprise. <laughs> We're, we're, we're but, familiar with it. We're familiar with yeah, what's going it was, on here. He doesn't, he doesn't do that anymore. So maybe, maybe that got back to, or, you know, a self critiquing, uh, at, you know, getting yeah. better at, at doing those things. You were but right. Yeah, like Robert, Mark, Robert, Robert Griffin, Griffin did, were on the Clemson Florida state call this weekend. Yeah. So. I swear. Like, dude, like in a minute and a half, Griffith used the same phrase. Like it was the first time someone's ever said it each time. It was like, he worked on that this week. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, one of the all-time so, bad beats, man. Holy cow, what a what a terrible way to end that game if you were better. Or maybe possibly a great way if you were Clemson better. 
Although if you're betting Clemson, you're sick in the head. So that's what I feel. <laughs> you are that's a fucking sicko. Okay. This coming from a guy who literally uh, is researching FCS games so he can put them down on tally sites. So what do I know? I I did it. I must have did a good. I had a, uh, Dude, you were rocking this week. You were killing it. I Subway Dumber on a, a bunch of uh, uh, shout outs. The only one hit the trifecta on the pit game. The only one that hit the trifecta on the Hippet game. The only one that yeah. hit the trifecta on the UFC game, too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I no, I had a, a fair week. I stopped I stopped doing the group of five schools. Just did I – had, I had to lay off. As much as I wanted to do them, I was doing the beginning of the weeks, I laid off, took a little extra time on uh, the last couple of weeks on just the power of five schools, and my record has gotten a little – <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they uh, how, how they derive IQ, but my IQ for the last week was 1.7 out of 100. <laughs> Oops. You were right. You were killing it. I was. What? I had I had two weeks in a row in which I was number one, and then uh, the last two weeks have just been awful. So there was a game or something happened where there was three or four, three or four uh, one foot down riders in there. Yeah. And I wasn't one of them. <laughs> oh, it was the it was the Iowa it was the Wisconsin Iowa game. Yeah, it was like we all knew. <laughs> we all knew. I've been spinning that Iowa. Sucks I wish you guys had shared that weeks. insight with me. <laughs> I haven't been saying Iowa sucks for weeks. Oh no, no, you have, you have absolutely yeah, sure. <laughs> and how did the fuck does Iowa stay at nineteen in the rankings? Well, I, I just I was laughing because uh, I think it was maybe it was Stu's article I was reading that said Ohio State got its first win over a top 25 team uh, this past weekend. And I was like, uh, if they still rank Penn State after all of this, they're just this is truly, truly, truly dumb. And yep, I mean, for, sure enough, they only dropped to 22 as a five and three team. And I don't get it. I literally don't. Get I mean, it. it's just stupid that I test or not. You're you're using that. You're, you're saying that stout out loud. And yet Oregon's ranked behind Ohio State. You know what I mean? Like Oregon who beat Ohio State in the shoe. Right. Yep. So, yeah. so that Oregon Stanford has it. That Stanford loss is bad. Real bad. Can't lose to Stanford. They're they're terrible. It was, but I mean head to head matters. Something. Head, 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 head something. on straight up record matters to me. I agree. That, that I mean that's why, like, again, Wake Forest should be ranked ahead of Notre Dame right now. This ain't week four. You know, we are deep into the season. If you're undefeated at a power five conference, go right ahead. I mean, you should be bumped up. I mean, it's you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And look, not like Wake's fluking it out either. They're fucking they're beating teams down. I mean, that Army game was what was that? 70 to (laughs) 56, I think. Yeah. Oh, no, that was Wake Forest. uh, Wake Forest Army, right? Yeah, Wake, Wake Forest. Forest. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah Wake. I'll say Wake the Forest. Army, even the game was 20 to 14, which I thought was hilarious because I think it was one week before the 70 to 56 game. <laughs> <laughs> Army got all their points out of them one game. Well, and so I mean, playing Wisconsin, who just just is allergic to to uh, if the under set at 36, they just want to try to go under. You know, Wisconsin might be the most unfun program out oh, there. God. Yeah. Like right now, they're, they're the most unfun. So I I, oh. I did tweet out something that got a lot of um, 
you know, a lot of retweets and, and likes or whatever. It was just, it's just Notre Dame's record in the last 10, last 20, last 30, last 40, last 50, last 60. So let's just go through it real quick. Seven and three, 17 and three, 26 and four, 34 and six, 42 and eight and 50 and 10. Like we have been watching a lot of really good football for the last 60 games, which encompasses obviously, you know, five seasons. Right. And so somebody's like, you know, this is, this is, uh, you know, st- still not the standard that we should be settling for. And I said, look, I said it was pretty, pretty good. I didn't say we want Bama, you know, and the guy was just like, look, uh, you know, don't you think people would trade bad seasons for for a national championship? And I was like, I, I, I gave it some thought and I was like, I, I obviously want a national championship. But like, how many bad seasons am I trading here? Because bad seasons are like a cancer to a program, you know, and, and it can take a really long time to unbury yourself from bad seasons as we watched in the Davy Weiss Willingham years. So, or Davy Willingham Weiss. So yeah, it, it started with Holt and it started with Holtz. The yeah, back end it's of tempting it. to make that devil's bargain, but at the same time, like if you're telling me I get to go 13 and one, one season, and then I'm now I'm, now I'm suffering through four and eight or worse for consecutive seasons. I don't know. I'm signing myself up for that. Tough, I mean, I, I I understand the argument, but and we all want a national championship, but I mean, I guess I would take that. But you're right. Like, what's the number then? Like, how many mediocre, you know, six, seven wins seasons are we talking here? Right. Because I enjoy winning. And <laughs> yeah, look, if you're and, telling me that out of 60 Saturdays, I've had 10 bad Saturdays in the last five years, like I'm pretty happy with that. Like I understand that that meant that I had to watch some soul crushing playoff losses, an ACC championship game, um, some debacle in Michigan, at, at, you know, in Michigan at the big house. Like I get I get that those were not fun. But, you know, 50 times my team came through to me like. It's like it's like a mirror opposite of the giant New York Giants, my 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 football team. Like I can't watch it because it's just like I, I can't get ready to be hurt again. You know what I mean? I'm just so hurt by it. You know? Yeah, so, I, I just I just, think the, I just think the fan that's throwing down the gauntlet on on the whole if you're not winning national championships, this sucks. I just don't I'm feel sorry. Like, I just don't feel like I, anyway. I don't have that fucking mentality. I just Maybe I used to, and I just uh, maybe I didn't. I don't even know. I just know that I am forty three fucking years old, and it is twenty twenty one. The last national championship Notre Dame had was in nineteen ninety three. That's a long time ago. That's a long time ago, and so for you to like put a referendum on every game of the season. Is it up to your expectation that hasn't been met in those many years? What the fuck are you even doing? Then you might as well just go root for Alabama. I mean, more power to you. I mean, if you can't handle the thought of a program doing what it can, like, like somewhere in your thinking that you have to think that that they're not doing everything they can to win without like completely selling themselves. Like, no one's cutting a, a a blank check to Urban Meyer. So I, and who the fuck wants that anyways? I just, I, mean, I don't. 
what is that line from Batman? Like you, you either live, you either die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Like is, is that have become more like, just think about all the people we just as like collectively, we all nutted over, right? Ah, oh, John Gruden. I, I need, I need urban Meyer. Like, wouldn't it be awesome if, you know, look at Gary Patterson's a perfect example of this, right? Gary Patterson was talked about, um, yes. By our predecessors on this podcast is somebody that they would like to see take over Notre Dame, right? And now today they've announced TCU has announced like they built a state they built a statue of this guy outside their stadium. And they're 2016, like, yeah, you, they're like, yeah, we're done here. We're done here. Like you can finish out the season, but like this is over. Like how far Gary Patterson has fallen, my God. You know, now, I think I think the adage is is pretty dead on, especially in this day and age. It's just some Notre Dame fans are just completely fucking out there. And so many of them are younger than me that I see this from too. And I just don't get it. Like what part of Notre Dame football have you seen in your lifetime? Since you were like, say like 13 on that tells you that it's going to be different. And even if you are older than me, say you live through like the Holtz glory days, what part of college football now reminds you of college football then? Yeah. Right. Like, it is all so fucking different. It's, I, so these expectations and these standards, like for me, it's all bullshit. It's all just, it's all bullshit. Like your standard is, is to fucking try as much as you, as hard as you fucking can in all facets, as simple as that sounds to win a national championship, recruiting, coaching, playing, scheduling the whole fucking nine. And I can't say Notre Dame isn't doing that. It doesn't mean that that you're gonna hit. This is your try. I mean, go ask some uh, some random dude in the bar if he's try- <laughs> at 2 a.m. if he's tried uh, to take a girl home that night. <laughs> you know I mean? Just because you try hard doesn't mean that you're hitting, man. I, sometimes it just ain't your night. It ain't your day. And look, Notre Dame is is we are just hurtling farther and farther along in this college football universe where the deck is getting stacked more and more against an uh, institution like Notre Dame. It just is. And for them to still be able to compete on that level, A, says a lot about Brian Kelly. Like, get that get that out there right there. Yeah, but also course. says a lot about, about, the, about Notre Dame themselves. Like, they are still doing what they can to live up to the great name that they have. It's just, I don't know what to t- I don't know what to tell you. Like I, I'm telling you, like a 35 year old, 35 year old Chad out there bitching about the standard and national championships, all that. Like, what did, what have you fucking seen in 35 years, Chad? <laughs> well, the, and I also, I'm the, just I'm, Chad's just a random name. I, I, yeah, this no, isn't directed to any particular Chad. Um, which is funny because I think Josh is a name that a lot of people uh, default to when they're talking about just random people. But um, I just like this, this, these sort of like entertaining these like fanboy uh, visions or wet dreams or whatever we want to call them or whatever is exactly how Mike Tomlin gets asked a question about the USC job opening, <laughs> which is like is ridiculous on its face. And I'm so glad that Mike Tomlin leaned into like how annoyed he was that he literally had to give time during his press conference for that. Like I really got to fucking like, answer this. Yeah. It's like, in what world does this make any sense except for on some message board on, on, you know, whatever the, you know, inside Troy or wherever that these guys are, are collating, they're saying, you know, it'd be great. Bill Cower. And if we can't get Bill Cower, Mike Tomlin, 
It's like Bill Cowher hasn't coached a game in 10 years, you know, it's, 15 years, maybe. Well, like, that the the whole fanboy, the whole fanboy thing is a funny thing, too. Right. Because you're right. It is a bunch of fanboys that just imagine that their school can go out and get any coach imaginable. But it's also like like it's, it's fanboys that think that you could just win a national championship out of the fucking blue. But it's also these guys that think that you're being a fanboy because you're fucking happy with winning double digit seasons. Like, how is that? I mean, I, that's just called being a fan. Like, like I am content that Notre Dame wins a lot of football games. And I am positive that they're going to be in the mix for a national championship run in some years and some years not. Like, I'm okay with that. And if they win one, fucking great i'll throw a party but it's just like i am not it is not an all-consuming that national championship is not all-consuming for me as a fan let's put it that way yeah i think as a when i was younger that was more more of a focus for me but now i'm just i'm enjoying the ride i'm enjoying the ride i mean i, I feel like i, I say this a, a ton but right but you're you're my age dude like yeah. so like say you know when we were in our our preteen to teen years, that was a time when we were coming off all those things. And college football, again, was a much different game Literally, than it is today. Yeah, very different. Like, yeah. Like we, we laughed about how many big 10 teams are in the top 10, you know, <laughs> last week, but that was a, that was the legit thing back then. I mean, the, the whole sec rise, there's all sorts of like very complicated economic demographic and things involved in the whole, shift in power in college football and all that. Like that's interesting in itself. You could have a college, you could have a 400 level college course on just that alone. And it's too bad. Bino cook, uh, has passed us. Cause he, he could give you a lot of insight onto how that shifted through, I mean, through the eighties into the nineties. And now that is what is really set the, it set the stage for the two thousands now into the, in the 2020s. I mean, so much of what happened in the 80s and 90s set the stage for what's going on now. Um, you just didn't see it then. And now, now Notre Dame's NBC contract, for one, right? Yeah. Like, selfish, greedy bastards splitting <laughs> apart from the CFA. You fuckers are all about money. You don't care about the game, blah, blah, blah. And then what happens in 2010? Everybody's out for their own, trying to get whatever dollar amounts they can from these networks. It's what's past this prologue, man. It's just, it, it all, it has set itself up. This is what's going on. What's 2040 going to look like. I have no idea. I was at all. Say, if the 1990 guys could have seen the Longhorn network, they would have been like, Oh, <laughs> I mean, this case, I remember reading those articles. <laughs> I remember seeing those commentaries oh, gosh, on yeah. TV. It was brutal. My, my grandfather, we mentioned earlier, who was in the television business. And it was a huge Notre Dame hater. Uh, Wisconsin fan, <laughs> huge Notre Dame hater. And, you know, I'm like 11 years old, not even really understanding who I am. And I can remember him, you know, bring, you know, bringing up Notre Dame and talking about the television contract. Oh, those greedy sons of bitches, blah, blah, blah. And it's just, it's just funny. It is just funny how, and then nobody wants to remember that. I, I, I bring it up a lot. Because I like to like throw it back in everyone's face when all this happens, when they talk about Notre Dame joining a conference and all that, and 
and everyone's big thing, like they want Notre Dame, they hate Notre Dame, but they want Notre Dame to be in a conference. And their biggest reason why isn't it anything other than like they'll the get ball. more money. They'll get more money. Well, they don't. And then you tell them, well, Notre Dame doesn't care about money. How you like that? Only reason, only reason they did them what they did is so they can control their own destiny. They're the most American football team out there. We got to end it. Sorry. I just started another rant. I just yawned. It's past yeah, midnight. We're, we're now we're now officially on All Souls Day. What comes first, All Souls or All Saints? I can't ever remember. Going back. It's All Saints Day. It's All Saints Day. All Saints Day. So. For Jude and for our napping friend Brendan. <laughs> Get some oh, sleep. Who's worth it, Brendan? Yeah. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Irish. <laughs>